I'm locked and loaded, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to talk a little sermon action. Awesome. Hey, well, welcome to Preacher Lab for preachers just like you and I. And today I get to talk with Adam Musto. He's a senior pastor of First UMC Kearney. Is that, I pronounced that right. Correct, Adam? It's okay. Kearney. Kearney? Gosh, okay. Kearney. Kearney in Kearney, Missouri. I've never been there. I don't even know what's there. So, uh, Great place. We're about half an hour north of Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Okay. Well, since the introduction didn't go so well, Adam, <laughs> welcome. Thanks. Big Willie style. I'm happy to be with you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I know we're going to jump right into uh, preaching. Uh, so where are you preaching this week? Where are you headed? What are you, what are you preaching on? So we're doing a series for Lent uh, for seven weeks called Cross-Examination. So I'm doing the crucifixion all through Lent. Uh, trying this week, the question is, um, with, so each week we're t- trying to take a question and related to the cross and answer it. Um, so this week's is, was Jesus destined by God's will to the cross in advance? And so I'm trying to lay out kind of between divine sovereignty and human agency trying to link the the mysterious mix of that that holy mystery. So that's kind of where I'm going. I'm using Psalm 22 is my main text. Okay. That's a light subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to do a little extra reading the past couple of weeks. Okay. So how how are you what where where are you headed? How are you going to explain this in not sim, not simply, but how do you explain this in a regular terms and what does that mean? Yeah. I, I, so one of my favorite commentators is William Barclay. I, I don't know if they still, for a while, it felt like if you were in the mainline denomination, you got handed his set of commentaries when you got ordained or something. But, and on the back of one of his books, um, the description of him was that he was able to do two things uh, to combine simplicity and profundity, which is not a word I use often, but how can you make something simple and yet still profound? I think that's what we're aiming for, right? Yeah. So for me, I think the implications of do you lean more towards sovereignty or do you lean toward human agency? I mean, each of them kind of have their own explanations or follow-up questions related to that. You know, if if everything is uh, ordained and advanced by God, are we just kind of robots, or I, I, I use the illustration like chess pieces. And at the same time, I, my opener is like, I can't, I can't worship a God that I could beat in an NCAA bracket. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the concept that God has little to do with our lives or activity here on earth, that's troubling to me also. So trying to lay out the tension between those in Psalm 22 that Jesus calls out, you know, from the cross and quotes, some of the imagery there is incredible in terms of its foreshadowing towards um, the events in the gospels, all four of them. And I thought that would be a good link between kind of the prophecy of the old Testament that sometimes was only recognized retroactively um, and the peace for people that I hope they can, they can have not just as a philosophical exercise about Providence, but to me, the point of Psalm 22 is even when you're suffering, that doesn't mean that God is far from you or has abandoned you. So that's that's like the human struggle that that we can that we can speak to, in addition to these larger questions about the, the nature of God and providence. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm imagining that this this sermon, it it could it could be easy just to get in the philosophical world and and what is it? Who said it's easy to look at your navel and just stare at it all day? Sure. <laughs> what are the how, how what are the ways in which you try to make this like into our own lives? How that shapes. We read a book in seminary by Tom Long, The Witness of Preaching. And one of the things I remember from there is that a sermon should be helpful. And so my aim is to make it helpful to folks who might feel estranged from God, or maybe if they personally are, you know, would give themselves a high grade in terms of their lives right now. I mean, I think there's no shortage of things in the world you could look at and say, you know, God, why are you so far from us? Why have you forsaken us? And to remind them of good news kind of in the midst of that. So that to me is the, the application piece, the practical piece of it. But within the larger plan of the whole year, I like to do some doctrinal stuff. Uh, I hope it doesn't um, devolve into navel gazing, but I think it's important that we have a, kind of a buffet of things, if you will. And so I try to do some series that are doctrinal in nature and some theology around crucifixion is, uh, is, is I think something that ironically, other than Good Friday, isn't always, isn't always preached. Huh, huh. Okay, so what you just to back out, back out a little bit further. Um, so you do doctrinal things and you try to, do you have like a season, like your buffet? Do you have like, this is my appetizer, or this is my dessert? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, he's trying to mix it up. So try to lay out series in advance. I tend to think in semesters. So if I have a heavy doctrine series, I probably won't do one more than one between um, what, like January and May or June or so. And that would go for all of them. Um, hopefully have some culturally timely, timely things. We just did some stuff. We did a three week series about cancel culture, try to have spiritual disciplines in there, a mix of old and new Testament. Um, hopefully some fun every once in a while. Not everyone having some fun. So like for father's day, I'm going to do a barbecue Proverbs Sunday. <laughs> my wife, my wife convinced me to make that from like three or four weeks down to one. So some compromise there. Um, and then just a mix, right? We all, we always do Advent, you know, you're going to do generosity, you know, you're going to do Lent. So Advent two years ago, we did a series called Christmas in real life. And we used um, St. Athanasius uh, on the incarnation, yeah. right? So that was, you know, that was some big boy, big girl yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so last year we did Christmas movies. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah, I try and change. I was doing home alone on Christmas Eve. So it's that the buffet to me is um, uh, in the language of golden corral. It's the ever changing menu that I think keeps me excited. How's that? <laughs> okay. I love it. So it's, so you don't want to, I hear you saying you don't want to overwhelm people with, we're going to do 25 weeks of super lapsarianism or anything. Right. Uh, like, I but you, you have this, like, that. Yeah, you have this like rhythm and flow of, fun of doctrine of of like very real stuff that i mean we talk about peace i mean you have this kind of flow for you yep and you know again lent advent and generosity there's probably close to 15 weeks that you know you're going to do something around so it goes pretty quick once you once you start looking at it so yeah i try to try to mix it up some things that are kind of teaching oriented maybe some that are more challenging um hopefully some things that are comforting to folks and always be trying to trying to mix it up and not just get in a, in a rut or a pattern. Yeah. So when you come up with these ideas, whether it be a home alone sermon or or this one, the cross examination series, how do you 
how do you come up with that? Because I think everybody I've talked with does it differently. Um, do you have, is there a team? Is it something you do by yourself? Is it a mixture? So typically, I came from a church where we did team planning, my last two churches, and that was fun. I've thrown that out there. People aren't as um, excited about that concept as I am all the time. So I always say, you know, when I got here, my daughter was like two or three, and I'd love to be here until she graduates. And I figured that was about 800 Sundays. <laughs> so I like to tell people, listen, I don't have 800 good ideas. Yeah. So I'm going to need some help. Um, but like this canceled series, John Wayne and I, my buddy in Texas did together. So we teamed up on that. Um, my friend Chris is in a suburb of Kansas City, about 40 minutes from here. So he and I have teamed up on stuff. I, honestly, I'll sprinkle in probably two-ish series that I've done at my previous church. Yeah. Right. And and I don't just print them off and, you know, and go, but that kind of gives some relief and some space to think ahead. You know, people say, well, are you going to repeat your sermons at your new church? And I'm like, the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so uh, going back to the well that you've done good work on before, I don't think nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just try and think what, do, what do people need? What are the kind of events going on that we can address? What are some, like I said, some classic um, spiritual disciplines that we can touch on? So I'm not sure if I can sit here and give you a good method. Um, I always keep my eyes open for stuff other other people are doing, or I'll hear about my buddy doing one and kind of go off that too. So yeah, just, just kind of always have an eye out for it. Cause that's to me, part of the fun is, you know, uh, you know, as my dad used to say, Sundays come with amazing regularity. So kind of always have the antennas up, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, the one that you just did, um, I know with John Wayne, you had a Wednesday conversation after mm-hmm. the sermon. Was that right? Yep. Um, what was that? Because I, so I've watched one of them. What was that like for you having, because you guys, I'm guessing you guys are both preaching on the same topic, but uh-huh. obviously different sermons. And then right. you talk about it on Wednesday. What was that like? It was, well, it was a lot of fun. Um, so my buddies in a church in Tyler, Texas, and one week we had another one of our buddies on. Her name's Hillary. She's a pastor in Austin, uh, senior pastor there. So it was fun because we kind of looked at it as like, what's on the cutting room floor that we maybe didn't address. We wanted to give folks a chance to talk back to us. So the cool part about doing that on Facebook with the software we use is people really can inter- interact and engage. And for us, it's we've we've made it, I've probably done more than I can count of those live stream style conversations once the pandemic started, because that gives folks an electronic option that may not be able to go to a small group for whatever reason in person. It also, those have lived online. So we've had people later that week or the next week be like, oh, I'm so glad we got to watch that. So it kind of gives folks an on-demand option too. Um, But it was was just fun to kind of chop it up with another pastor. I think it's good for people to see that pastors, you know, have friends and are <laughs> collegial and aren't in competition and cheer for one another. Yeah. And plus, when you got a friend with a name like John Wayne, that makes me look cool. So it really was a win in in a variety of ways. Oh, that's all. Pastors have friends. If anybody yeah, gets anything well, what out a of concept, this, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> so for this week, um, as we kind of, I mean, we've talked larger picture but for this week you obviously it's seven week series 
So what are the ways in which you kind of prepare for this particular week on this, or I guess you're not, you're preaching it in 10 days from now or so. Yeah, so. I'm off for spring break, but I went yep. ahead and got it locked and loaded for the 20th. My process is pretty similar most weeks. Now for, and I don't want to say I skimp on other stuff, but um, like a couple of weeks ago, we preached on John 21, the restoration of Peter. Well, that's that's like a hall of fame, right? I'm, yeah. I, you know, there's not going to be a ton of, shocking exegesis to dig into that one for me but with something like the crucifixion there's always more to learn and so i I probably started prepping for this with a pile of books a couple couple weeks ago and did some extra reading on tuesday but uh i take wednesdays and write my sermons so i try and write from home to have that uninterrupted time that's something i'd encourage folks to do i know that's not always easy but that way it's almost like I've even had staff people say, oh, well, it was Wednesday, so we didn't want to bug you. And not that like my time was more important, but if you mark out that time, people will will honor it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And get going. Um, for me, it's all about coming down to one sentence. There's a guy named J.L. Howitt, and he had a quote, I read this somewhere that said, I have a conviction that no sermon is ready to be preached or even written out until its point can be summarized in one sentence as clear as crystal. I think I got pretty close yeah. with that. And yeah. getting down to that one point to me is the bulk of the work. So I do a ton of reading, read the scripture, the main text, read some commentaries. And it's kind of like, what's the, what's the combo of simplicity and profundity? And what was it saying to the folks at the time? And what's the claim the text is making on us now? And if you can get it down to that one sentence, then for the rest of your prep, before you even start writing it, you've got your kind of measuring stick is does it support because there's a bazillion ways that you can go or lots of different approaches to all of this stuff, always more you can include. And so this kind of gives you that that home base or that that way to say, okay, does this other pattern of thought support or lend itself to this main point? And the thing I've learned over time is if not, no problem, save it because we'll preach about the crucifixion another time. Um, I think Andy Stanley talks about that in his book, Communicating for a Change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was liberating to me that you don't have to, you don't have to nail it all. Oh, bad, bad pun. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to, I, that was bad. You don't, you don't, you're not going to like deliver the final summary of the cross in 20 to 25 minutes, you know, Sunday in March anyway. So just release yourself from that pressure. So I, I really try and, and, and crank it out in probably somewhere between seven and 10 hours on a Wednesday. Um, and I'd really encourage people to, to do your sermon work earlier in the week. So it's not hanging over your head the rest of the week. Yeah. So like today, my kids have a snow day and it's like, Oh, what are we going to do? I got to write my sermon. Well, I got it done yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so you're not like shackled by this thing, you know, you're going to have to do week in and week out. Yeah. So that Wednesday, so you said seven to 10 hours. Yeah. What is that time? I mean, be specific. What are those, what's that time look like? Is it typing on a piece of paper on the, on word? Is it like I spend an hour walking around and taking bullets? Um, is it, I don't know, is it drawing yeah. on a whiteboard? <laughs> I'm not going to take any bullets anywhere. Uh, so typically I've, you know, I know this is an audio ex- exercise, yeah. but I've got my, I, I kind of take everything and I'll, I'll just write all, all, all kinds of notes, any sermon mm-hmm. or excuse me, scripture references that come across. Um, and I try and um, like right here, I'll try and write out some one line sentences to see how that works. 
And then when I arrive in it, I, I put it at the top of the page. Oh yeah. Typically what I'll do, like here's one. Um, I've got it. I've got it. My one line, I've got my scripture at the top, the title and the, and the series at the top. Yeah. And then I outline it all on paper. There's something about writing it out that kind of locks it in for me. Yeah. And then I'm a manuscript person. And so I'll take my outline and I mean, I'll, I'm showing you, I'll check it off as I go. Yeah. And um, oh, wow. I turn it into a four page single spaced word doc that functions for me, not just as a manuscript, but it's also about time. So I know if I do four single space pages, if I don't uh, expound a bunch kind of off the script, so to speak, it'll be about 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. And I'm not sure what people's tolerance is for that. I'm not sure what my <laughs> what my skill level is for much longer than that in terms of holding people's attention. Um, and it just, it gives me a good guideline. And so the other thing is like, if I'm into page two and I haven't gotten into the scripture yet, I'm like, mm, probably, probably need to edit some. Yeah. Right. So there's, I don't want it to be too much like a, like a blueprint, but I know that if I'm not into the scripture by kind of second half of page one, something's probably off. Um, I know if my conclusions, not by page four, then <laughs> it'll probably be a little light. That's, that's just kind of what I've, what I've discovered. Um, and then the manuscript helps the slide folks that are kind of keeping up with the images and things. Mm -hmm. So I try and have all that done really by Wednesday. Now there's some, and the other thing is our slide folks need it done by Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning. Um, for a while, we were a multi-campus church. The pandemic changed some of that. Wah, wah. But we would actually record a message for our second campus on Thursday morning. Oh, wow. And as a not naturally disciplined person, that was helpful for me because, hey, you have, you got to have it done by, by Thursday morning. And that ended up just being a real good habit for me. So I've, I've made a practice of that for at least three years, but um, even at my last church, tried to, tried to be done by Wednesday so that you could let it marinate and, and not have it hanging over your head and be something you're excited about versus like, oh, it's Saturday night. I got to finish this. And, you know, that's, that's not going to turn out well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing that as you've done the work, the research, as you've done the reading, as you've done the out the actual handwriting, they have to put a, take a picture of that that you had, and like all of that, all of that kind of just melds into your brain, and it's like okay, the, the then when you preach it on Sunday, you've already been working on it for the whole week, and it's not like it takes that much. It it wouldn't take as much as if you write it all down and have to memorize it for on Saturday evening. Sure, and yeah, and for me, the writing it out physically, like you said, and then the typing it are both. Yeah, they both help kind of lock it in. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to get up there and read to people. But the other thing that the manuscript does for me is it kind of keeps me on target in case I think of something that I might think might be funny in the moment, but it turns out is grossly inappropriate. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll show things to Sarah or some of the other staff and they'll be like, yeah, I'm not sure that's appropriate, Adam. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. So if you have an idea, um, like Wednesday, and you're working on this idea, do you have people you show you you like run the idea by or run those videos or run a picture or this is the image I have in my head and they say ah, no no get rid of that yeah all the time um, staff folks uh, I got a buddy in Southwest Missouri that usually gets a call from me almost every Wednesday you know is my one line is it hokey uh, you know some people call it a sticky statement 
So he, he knows to expect a call. In fact, I called him today because he's at Exponential Conference. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't get to talk to you yesterday. My, my week isn't the same. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, our other pastors here at church, our communication folks. They always, they're always ready to give me good feedback. Um, my wife, I try not to subject her to that all the time. Yeah. But she kind of knows all my usual shenanigans and, and loves me enough to tell me the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you think about yourself, um, and you think about your preaching style, what is kind of your niche, your thing, the way in which you feel like you inherently have that's a gift of yours when you preach? I think after a sermon or folks at my church, I hope they would know a couple things that people would recognize that you can take Jesus seriously without taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. It's not my hope. Um, is a uh, is something that shines through. I hope that folks. I think it's really hard as a pastor for folks to view you as a regular person. Sometimes, like my heart congregations heard me say many times, I almost don't like when people find out I'm a pastor when we're introduced, because one of two things usually happens: they'll apologize for cursing earlier, or they'll launch into when the last time they attended church was and why. And I'm just like, look, I'm <laughs> not taking notes over here, okay? Uh, and so I don't wear a robe or anything like that because I think sometimes that just helps um, helps that mindset take place while well, they're all dressed up differently. And I'm not trying to be controversial on your on your podcast, but for me, I just want to be as regular of a person as I can. I recognize that the office and position of pastor brings with it certain realities and perceptions. But I also just want to be Adam. Yeah. Like we have a we have a friend, a mutual friend, Christine, and I got some coaching from her. And one of the nicest things she said was, you know, Adam, when the way I've experienced you and the way I've experienced your preaching is the same. I just want to be the same person. Yeah. Um, not take not take yourself too seriously. And then I hope that I can take something like providence and the crucifixion, a pretty complicated thing, and, and synthesize it. Um, so that it's accessible and helpful. So if that's what I hope I can offer people yeah. is a regular person who doesn't take themselves too seriously, but can help make uh, pretty complex things uh, simple and still profound and accessible. Yeah. And uh, that's on my best day now. Yeah. 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 Well, I've, but I think I've, exp- I mean, I've experienced that in your preaching uh, when I've heard you and it, it's not in the, in the plan, the plan jokes are fantastic, but sometimes it's, I think in the last sermon I watched, you put up a, a graph of uh, the word lamb in Hebrew in, in Hebrew and new Testament. And you said something to the effect of, yeah, you guys are impressed, aren't you? And it, oh yeah. He did it. It was all their blank stares. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and, and you just have, just have this like laughter that people like, you you just know that it's just naturally you. It's not like you're you're trying to be this uptight person that is trying. This is the word of God. Like that's it. I I feel like I I can. There's an authenticity is the word I have. There's an authenticity you, when when you preach. Um, and yeah, I I feel that uh, even when you tell stories about your family or uh, I mean though you can feel it. You can feel it. Um, well, that's that's very meaningful. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think, but I think it takes a very specific, I think that's a gift set of yours. Like you said, it's, it's in a natural thing that comes out from you. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
I want to shift gears a little bit. Is that okay? I'm ready. Okay. So I've given you a big enough head. What has been the, uh, the, the best feedback you've gotten from a sermon or a critique? So I remember after my first sermon, I was probably 23 and someone came up to me and they go, well, that was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so how about that? That was, gosh, like 15 years ago. I haven't forgotten that one. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It was better than I thought it was going to be. My dad was a pastor for a long time, and we'd always joke, you know, about feedback sometimes. And, well, of all the sermons I've ever heard, that was certainly one of them. <laughs> so those what does are that even kind of, mean? Those are, yeah, those are related. Yeah. Okay. okay. How did that you respond? It, How did you respond? Oh, I'm not sure. Probably less mature than I should have. Uh, I, I don't know. Thanks. And just hope they put a 20 in the plate and move on, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So, as you, I mean, as you thought, you've been preaching for how long? 15 years? You said 15 years? Something I was like that? 20? 2012. Okay. Okay. So, how have you, when you think about those years, how have you, what have you learned most about yourself? And then I guess, what are you learning now about preaching? Thinking about what you've learned about yourself is interesting. It's sort of like when you look at old photos of yourself and you're like, Ooh, what was I wearing? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I'll think that way about myself now in 10 years. I think preaching is a similar uh, experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, like I look at an old manuscript and I'm like, Oh, it was so long. Or, uh, I guess for me, preaching is something I get to do. It's not something that I think being a pastor would be really hard if that wasn't something that you enjoyed that process or at least aspects of it. So I think there's a lot of joy in it. Um, and it's for me, preaching is something that's given me life. Um, in terms of what I'm learning now, I guess it's that I'm hoping not to be too formulaic. Right? So like Andy Stanley's got that me, we, God, you, we structure. And that's, I think, pretty brilliant for a few reasons. You know, you have an opening story, you build the tension, you connect it to human struggle, you do your exegesis and talk about how the word of God applies to your life. And I just don't want to get caught in, in, in a rut or like be predictable. And that's why things like a seven-week series on the crucifixion I think are a buffet, not just part of the buffet, not just for the church, but for me yeah. um, to not, not just kind of trot out, you know, like I said, I even know in my manuscript where I should be moving from section to section. Well, this makes sure that it's not just kind of a rote exercise or fill in the blank uh, kind of week to week. So that's what I'm learning is I don't want to, I'm trying not to be formulaic in my approach um, to preaching. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found, have you, have you tried anything like what, What's been something that you've tried that you're like, that went really, really well that you've never done before? And what is something that you've tried that you're like, oh, that crashed and burned and I will never do that again? Well, I don't, I don't know if I've tried all that much. Okay. Um, I've thought about doing, okay, I will say for Christmas Eve two years ago, not this last one, but the year before, we were, um, we were closed because of COVID. And so we did the message as a part of a online service we put together all on video and we chopped the, we kind of separated the message into three different sections and tried to have kind of a cohesive 
like I was, we were shooting videos like on location. I was in my car for some of it. And, um, and that was a departure for me. That was, that was very different. You're doing it to a camera. It's in three different chunks. You're trying to make this kind of holistic uh, experience. So that was different. And we were, we were proud of that. And I wouldn't want to do that week in and week out for a variety of reasons. The least of which is not, we weren't in person on Christmas Eve, but that was something that was, that took a lot of extra TLC for sure. Um, And I guess that's part of my point is I'm not sure that I do experiment very much. And what I'm learning is that maybe that'd be a good thing, not just for me, but for for the folks that are there at at my church. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And at least for me, I found that when I try new things, um, it kind of opens me up and it, and when I tried, I'm like, oh yeah, that does work. And I learned something through it. Um, or I also learned I didn't work well, but it might, I might take one little piece of that. So when you say you did it from your car, well, maybe there's something that you could do like a, I don't know, a Facebook video in your car throughout the week. And mm-hmm. I, it, it didn't apply exactly. and didn't work exactly the way you wanted it to, but it, it kind of opened you up for something else. It's like following that rabbit trail. Well, I remember you saying on one of your podcasts that on All Saints Day, you kind of walked around and had they had people had pictures of folks around the room. I thought that was really cool. So when I steal that, I'll try and remember to give you credit. How's that? I know you can steal it. You don't have to give me any credit because unless, unless you're going to use my grandparents and then you can probably say it's not yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So I know that, um, I know that you've done some work on preaching and kind of have these three ideas about preaching and what makes a good sermon. Um, do you want to share some of that? Cause I thought it was really fascinating and interesting. I'd be happy to. That's nice to you. So in terms of public communication, a lot of this is just footnotes to, uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, ethos. What are the three Greek words? Like ethos, pathos, yep. logos. Lo- yep. I was going to say eros, but that was, that's, <laughs> a, that's not the one. Yes. Those three, it's kind of a similar deal, you know, to me. And this is, um, I think in, in seminary, we get plenty of theology and I'm not sure I have a ton to add to that. But in terms of some pragmatic things about preaching, I, th- I think the three duties for a compelling message, the three things we got to do are connect with the audience, teach the content, and apply concrete next steps. And so if you do all three of those things, uh, it can be compelling. But what we're trying to avoid is if any one of those three are missing, right? So if you connect well with the audience, but you don't have a lot of content to teach, but you still apply, well, then you're t- then, then the preaching is shallow. There wasn't, there wasn't really much meat there. Or if you have great teaching and excellent application, but if you never connect to the audience, well, then it's boring because you never connected with them. And they may not even access the great content because they're bored. And then third, you can have excellent connection and then really good teaching. But if you don't help apply concrete next steps, then it's irrelevant. And so I think part of the pattern or part of our Exercise of preaching is actually actively trying to avoid being irrelevant, boring, or shallow and having all three of those elements there in order for it to be compelling. And, and I think I think as pastors, I'm not sure I know tons of people who are amazing at all three, but I think we at least need to be adequate at all three and then really hone in on which one you're, you're going to kind of call your bread and butter. Um, and so if you love deep exegesis and you're like, fascinate people with all the great 
things you find out during the week and from your research, uh, make that teaching like uh, the thing people really can't wait to, to hear, but make sure that, that you help them care about it in the first place and that you help them know what to do with it afterwards. Um, and we could do that for all three of those. So I, to me, all three of those elements need to be there, connecting with the audience, teaching the content, and then applying concrete next steps. Yeah, yeah. And when I hear you preach, I hear, I hear you when you move through those three. And I don't think it's a, it's not linear. It's more like you go in and out of those three. But when you tell a story about Catch Me If You Can and Frank Abagnale Jr., it's this, yeah. which is a beautiful, I mean, I'll, for, I'll, remember, that, I'll remember that forever. Um, because that's genius, but it, it helped it helped me connect. Um, and then as you're going through, I mean, like the sheep, I, I learned something about lambs and the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you taught me something, and then you applied it. There's one that you were talking about in the cancel culture, I believe, about how we appreciate some of these people and they get fame, and others we just kind of decimate, and it's nothing. Right. Um, but it's, it's not it's yeah. it's not one or the other. Um, and I mean, it applied to my life of. There are some people I just want to cancel, <laughs> right. but I, you know, when I've heard you preach, I hear you go through those three. I think it's, it's really helpful to kind of think about the pitfalls of when you miss one. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah you know, I, a conviction I have is that a lot of folks are coming in and they may not automatically care about when John the Baptist calls Jesus, the lamb of God, like they, they're not automatically interested. And so how, how do we, not entertain, but, but help present it in such a way that is compelling for them. Yeah. Cause I just don't think they automatically care. Yeah. Or, maybe I'm off. No, but when I think about Jesus and I think about him telling stories, it was always surprising. Like when you start a story with talking about a Samaritan to Jews mm-hmm. immediately, oh, sure. like, I mean, he was always surprising you or he was lulling you to sleep until the very end. Yeah. Until like, the zinger. <laughs> yeah. Until the zinger. And it was like, it's like a, I don't know. I'm trying to like the part, like the movie departed or something like, Oh, right. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, (laughs) I didn't fall asleep during it, but I was like, well, what's, what's the point of this? And then at the very end, you're like, Oh, or yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's what Jesus did. And I think that's a part of that, that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are there any other thoughts? (laughs) I think we could talk about this for a long time, but any other final thoughts uh, for preachers who are listening, Uh, anything you want to share with them? Well, I, I would encourage, you know, I, I would just encourage folks that even just doing this week in and week out is a faithful practice. And so even if you don't feel like you're hitting a home run every week, uh, know that you're you're reaching people in, in ways that you're probably not aware of. So just, you know, every week there's some new headline that, that could totally put us in a tailspin. It's not been easy to do this during the pandemic. But I would just encourage folks to keep going. Uh, in terms of what would I say to to preachers who are listening, uh, figure out how to carve out time in your schedule early in the week, so that your sermon isn't just this black cloud of dread, you know. So that your sermon can be something you get to do. Um, Wednesdays are my favorite day of the week, and I mostly spend it alone, and that says a lot because I'm a hopeless extrovert, right? <laughs> so how how can you arrange, set an appointment for yourself? to where that process is something that's life-giving for you. Um, but I guess to me, like preaching in a congregation that you're embedded in, it's playing the long game, right? Like, I don't know how many A pluses I'd give myself, but if I can hit them with a B or a B plus week in and week out, like I want to hang my hat on that. You know, our, I guess the last thing I'll say is 
our friend Christine, um, she's a, a professor at Duke and RIP Coach K, by the way. And um, he's not, not he's not dead yet. His career, his career sorry. <laughs> he- <laughs> uh, and she com- she compared it like the, the the long haul of preaching. She compared it to home cooking, right? Like the food you were raised on. It wasn't Thanksgiving each and every day or night. It wasn't a great production every night, but it nourished you and it raised you. And so that to me is kind of what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Home cooking. Home cooking. Shout out to Christine. Our girl, Christine. Yeah. Uh, she is the one that connected us. So uh, yeah, oh, she's she's full of wisdom too. She's the best. Oh, well, Adam, uh, I've got one more quick question and then we'll Maybe. wrap this up. In the last six months, What's been a book, a novel, a children's book, something that has made an impact on you that sticks out? I got two. Okay. I'll go bonus, bonus will points here. <laughs> I read for this cancel series a book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson, a British author. And he goes and interviews all these people that have had like catastrophes unfold on social media. Very fascinating. And um, it was a page turner, man. I, I bought it for some sermon research and ended up just reading the whole thing. So, so you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. And then I read another book recently called Managing Leadership Anxiety by a pastor named Steve Cuss. His Twitter handle is Steve Cuss Words, which I, I was in. I was in. <laughs> he has to be a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He, and that's been, that's been super, super helpful. Um, throughout these these couple of years of the pandemic, you know, I think there's so many anxiety-ridden things, um, and just leading any organization is going to have some anxiousness involved, whether it's yours or other folks on staff or uh, people you're in community with. And so, those have both been really good books that have been helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, thank you. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and just really, really insightful stuff. And I mean, you can, if you have your own notebook. I have my notebook of notes as you were right, as you were speaking. And oh yeah, this, this is good stuff. Thanks, man. Can I flip the script real quick here at the end? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I have a question for you. What, what made you want to start a podcast? Like just out of the goodness of your heart or what? Uh, well, when I was looking online and uh, I mean, so my greatest passion, like you said, uh, is preaching. I, I love writing. I love the learning about things and going down these rabbit holes of just different things. And it opens me up to something else, which leads to something else. And I love the creative process of preaching. And uh, it's just the thing that gives me the most life. So I was looking about how do I get better at this? How do I, how do I, how do I improve? What are the people, are there anything that's online that exists and uh, to learn? And there really isn't much. Um, there, there isn't much about how preachers actually preach. I mean, in seminary, you learn the theological pieces and mm-hmm. how does this connect to that and kind of the three points in a poem type of thing. Um, <laughs> but you learn, I'm, I've learned that everybody preaches differently. And I said, well, why don't we have conversations with people? Um, so I just started talking to people just off the podcast about preaching and how they did it and where they came from, and how they came up with this crazy idea about, like you said, a seven week sermon series on the cross. Um, like, I mean, just learning about it. I was like, oh, this is really, really good. And I thought maybe people would want to listen to this and listen from other preachers from 
all over the country. Um, so I just started it and I wanted to see where it went. And uh, as I done more and more of them, I just, I've loved doing it. So it's, it's one are. of my, it's one of my highlights. I get to meet people like you and talk with you about preaching. And, uh, it's just a joy for me. And well, you do a good job, man. I've enjoyed, uh, listening to the episodes and look forward to many more. Well, th- thank you. Uh, and th- yeah, thank you for being on and, uh, enjoying the podcast and, uh, it's all an experiment. I don't know where, it, I don't know where it goes. I enjoy doing it now and we'll see where it goes. Well, good to have met you, my friend. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely.